We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen of Setting the Pace, we are joined today by eight-year NBA veteran and former Indiana Pacer, Jordan Hill. Jordan, how are you today? I'm good, my man. How you good? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, man. The the pleasure's all mine. Appreciate you uh, coming on the show. I actually thought uh, we'd start with an interesting fact that I found out recently. I don't know if everybody is aware, but Jordan, I found out you're actually cousins with former Pacer Trevor Booker. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually uh, we pretty much grew up together. Uh, a small town in uh, Whitmire, South Carolina, and um, you know, we we like I said, we, his mother and my mother's sister. So we got a you know real close bond. You know, more and more of a a brotherly bond, also a friendship, and you know he, he's my guy. So yeah, you know, we just you know you stay in touch, and you know we just kind of keep it in the family. That's awesome. So you got to tell me, I mean, what were those one-on-one battles like growing up on the court? I mean, those had to have gotten intense. I'm going to tell you, so what's funny about that is Trevor, Trevor actually was the, the sports guy. I, I, I really didn't start picking up basketball. Well, I, I played backyard basketball. Who does? Who does it? Uh, mm-hmm. But Trevor was, you know, he's more in the organized basketball. You know, he played for teams, uh, traveling teams, his high school teams middle school's teams and I only started playing organized basketball my really my senior year in high school what I played oh uh yeah 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 <laughs> I, I my 11th I, I just I, I really was in the ba- uh, baseball and um I kind of messed up my rotator cuff and I started you know growing a little taller and taller every day <laughs> and I just tried to stick to one sport and uh, my 11th grade year in high school, I, I played with uh, this AAU team in Georgia called Smyrna Stars. And after after I played with them, man, I just started getting all these uh, college offers and everything. Everybody's coming to see me. And uh, that's when I uh, uh, started. Uh, well, I actually went there and, and, and um, visited Arizona, University of Arizona. And they offered me on the spot, and I, I just took it. You know, I took it before even my senior year. I, took, I think I took that before my senior year, and I just stuck with it and, and you know, made something happen, man. I really did. I made something happen out of nowhere. It, it still shocked me to this day, but I really wasn't into in the sport. I, you know, I was just backyard basketball, moving from place to place, and it was kind of hard growing up, so I really didn't have the time and I never been in the same spot for long enough to be on a basketball team because 
in high school, I went to three, like three or four different high schools. And, you know, it was just, you know, tough times going up, growing up and moving, having to move to different places. So, and when I went to Atlanta and I just kind of stayed in one spot and, you know, like I said, I just made something happen, man. I just really made something happen, man. Yeah, that is definitely one way to put it because Arizona has a pretty historic program. And after three really good years as an Arizona Wildcat, you know, you were part of a star-studded 2009 draft class, you know, featuring Blake Griffin, James Harden, Steph Curry, many other notable names, and you went top 10 in that draft. Uh, And something that we always hear about, it's the pressures of playing in New York. You ended up going to New York. Can you describe what it's like of, of actually being in the spotlight and the pressure of New York City? Uh, it was definitely different for me. You know, it's a small country town boy from the, you know, from uh, 10,000 population uh, city. Uh, it, it was definitely a different um, ball game for me. And, you know, it was something that I really wasn't, uh, I didn't think I was ready for. You know, it was just something new to me. It was just something I wasn't um you know, like I said, ready for it when I got there. So it's kind of like tough. And I know how New York is a, you know, I, I love it. The city, I love the city of New York. But you, they, if you're not, if you're not doing your, you know, due diligence, they would get on your ass. <laughs> so it, it was, it was more like, oh man, let me, I try, try to, try to pre, um, pace myself. I try to get, just try to get into the mood, trying to get in, and it didn't, unfortunately. But you know, I still try to make it work. Uh, the, the eight wonderful years I was there. So I mean, oh. like I said, things happen. Things happen. So for sure, I, I, I don't. I, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, man. I, I still, I still very happy of what I did in my eight years, and you know, who, who knows, anything can happen. It, exactly, and you should be very proud of those eight years because you know we'll touch on it a little later. I mean, your your rebounds per minute were, were pretty much off the charts. So whatever whatever <laughs> you did, I, maybe it was a knack for just natural rebounding skills, but you were always great wherever you went with that. But it, <laughs> just into your rookie year, you know, the, the Knicks always always looking to make a move. They they end up sending you in a three team deal. Um, you go over to Houston in a trade that brought T-Mac to New York. But can you take us fans through the business side of things and the emotions that are involved, being involved in a trade, especially when you just got drafted to the team just a few months prior? Well, and, and my, my first year with New York, my, my first couple months with New York, um, I didn't feel like me and Dan Tony got on the same page. I didn't know, like I said, but I'm not, I'm not knocking. He's definitely a great coach. Um, and, and definitely is me just um, – been a little um my um, immaturity uh just being at a young age my first time really being on the spotlight and 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 just getting all this recognition it was it was it was hard for me but you know um i mean things happen you know uh i i kind of was kind of glad to leave new york just to find another home you know mm-hmm. that maybe i can you know you know I, like i'm the top top 10 uh, draft pick i need to yeah. you know i need to find somewhere that i can you know try to blow up some so uh, so it was kind of it was it was, was kind of it was a good idea for me to go to Houston. You know, it kind of opened me up with uh, Kevin McHale. Uh, I was there with Kevin McHale, um, mm-hmm. and um, and um, I was damn, I was, what's the coach before Kevin McHale? Um, uh, Rick Edelman was there. I think at one point. Rick Edelman, yeah, yep. Rick Edelman, yeah, my man Rick. Uh, he, <laughs> he he was there. And he. <laughs> The quietest, uh, quietest coach ever I've ever been, <laughs> but I, I, I love him. But no, he he saw me. He we talked 
when I got there and he said, man, you know, you just, just wait your turn. You know, you have the opportunity to go out there and we know you got something and you, you're young and you're talented. So just wait your turn. And, you know, I took it, I took it to that. And, you know, he threw me out there, you know, I, I, I did what I had to do. And, you know, it, it kind of boosts my, you know, my rating is up in the NBA. I started getting better mm-hmm. each year, each year. And man, I just, you know, I just, you know, kind of fell in love with it and, that's kind of how I was in Arizona. Like my first year in Arizona, my freshman year, I did, I I really didn't think I was gonna be at a top tier school like University of Arizona. <laughs> and when I got there, it was like, oh man, what did I? Uh, they wanted me. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta prove myself. I gotta, I gotta showcase what I can do. I have to get better. And every year, I just progress. Every year, I progress. So when I feel the same with the NBA, I just every year, I just felt like I progressed progress i didn't progress like i wanted to but you know i did i did enough to make noise so that, you did. that's all i can ask for man yeah. hey for sure and when you mentioned you know waiting for your opportunity to blow up roughly two years later you got that opportunity when the lakers acquired you and you're finally given the chance to, to flash your skills you know the same skills that that got you a top 10 draft pick and we saw extended minutes for you how important was a change of scenery to the confidence of a young player such as yourself getting those extended minutes that you wanted for and making the most of it? Oh, man, this is extremely important, man. Uh, when I went to uh, L.A., man, it was it was like going from New York to L.A. It was like going from another uh, you know marketing city to a bigger marketing city where, where the lights is on you. Um, had guys like uh, Kobe, Powell, uh, um, just all the young guys, everyone, and they they just made me feel like family, you know. They made me feel home, you know. We was always mm-hmm. uh, laughing, joking. We'd go out and do things as a team, you know. Just made it just made me feel more comfortable. It made me feel like I was, you know, uh, wanted, like I was loved here, like I like they wanted me here. And that's awesome. I don't know, man. It just yeah, it just it just had in my once I had that feeling in my my heart and my brain. It's like man, I now I can I can slow down a little bit and go out there and just. Just play ball. Just go out there and play basketball. Like I got these guys around me, and they they show me the ropes. Uh, these guys, these championship winning guys, all these uh, Hall of Famer guys, and they show me the ropes. They treat me like a brother. I was like, man, it's time. It's time, man. Whenever I went out there, man, I just like I, I just had like a adrenaline go through me, and man, I just <laughs> went out there and just did what I had to do, bro. That's that's how it was. Oh yeah, and you know, as I mentioned yeah. before, I mean. You had just a knack for coming up with loose rebounds, and, and your per 36 <laughs> rebound totals are pretty crazy. Uh, so I always felt like if you were given even more minutes, you would have been a walking double-double for sure. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if maybe there's any tips you can give someone such as myself who's only 5'10", but, I mean, <laughs> what what can you do in the paint? Like, what was your – your your mentality over there and it, of grabbing these these rebounds and boxing out and who was the guy that gave you the most trouble in the paint that you knew you were always going to have a handful each night with that guy? Okay, um, the problem that gave me the most trouble in the paint, Kevin Love was definitely at, at his tier with uh with LeBron and there he was there in Bron no in Minnesota I would say in oh, Minnesota yeah. he was definitely a barrel to to get around to try to get rebounds and you know it's a lot of guys that was like DeAndre Jordan, yep, Dwight Howard, like mm-hmm. these guys, like these are talented guys and if they just go out there and just play the whole 48 minutes at just at the top of the level, it's like it's those guys you it's going to be hard 
to get them guys off the board. It's like that's when the that's when the team has to help in, and you got to get help in the team. But for me, my my motivation is just going out there and get rebounds. Is I don't care who you is, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. I'm going to treat that shot like it's a miss, and I just always try to get into the right position when the ball leaves the hand. Um, I, my my lower body is actually pretty strong. And that's what definitely really kind of helped me get them loose balls and and and, and get the tip ins or alter shots. Just anything that'll help me and my team, you know, get better and get a win. Man, it, it's just me just thinking that the ball is going to, you know, automatically miss. Like it's going to be a miss, and I try to be mm-hmm. in the same spot. I try to I try to read the spot, see where it's going to land on the rim. If it's going to land on the front of the rim, the tip of the rim, or the side of the rim, and try to get there. And I get there. Try. I, I just try to get there, and I, I try to get there as fast as I can, man. And so oh. it's, it's, it's just me. Using my athleticism, my length. It's, it, I just I just try to go for every bat, every ball that come off that rim, man. That, that's some great insight right over there. I guess you you really do have to anticipate every shot's going to be a miss. And people do oh, forget yeah, about yeah. just how amazing of a rebounder Kevin Love was in the Minnesota days. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when it comes to playing with LeBron, we, we tend to find guys like Chris Bosh and, and Kevin Love were a little bit dragged out to the three-point line a little bit more. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, in Minnesota, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was always attacking the glass, averaging about 14, exactly. you know, 15 rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I, I feel the same. Man. I think they just they they brought Kevin Love out too 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 far, too long. And I agree. And like I said, man. Yeah, he he has the he has the knack to 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 be one of the best big men ever play the ball every game. If he if he just do everything, I think his all around skill would it would have him at the top. But yeah, like you said, man, he just they've been sending guys at the three point. They just they want to just jack threes all day. And just stay out there, and it, yeah, that'll definitely that'll hurt the team. That'll hurt you. That'll hurt stats. That'll hurt everything. So, but like I said, man, he's a heck of a player. You know he is, man. Oh yeah, he, yeah, definitely. And Minnesota day, yeah, Minnesota oh. days. You were right. He was definitely a monster. I, I I saw you hit a couple threes in your time in the NBA. <laughs> you hit a couple. <laughs> I tried to, man. I ain't going to lie, Byron Scott, LA, Byron, Byron let me go out there, man. Byron told me <laughs> he ran a, he ran a few corner plays that it got me over this year. I'm like, okay, Byron, thank you, my man, thank you. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I would like to hear about Byron Scott real quick because I know that that's someone that players love to play for. I know that he was, you know, he was good friends with Kobe from their days playing together and also got to coach him. You know, what was Byron Scott like as a head coach? Man, I love Byron. Oh man, he's definitely laid back. Uh, you can talk to him about anything, coach. He just like he just that that winning coach that just want everything out of his player. Um, but uh, a lot of people like you know they know about how his uh, his conditioning works or his practices and and everything, which is true. Yes, he will run you to death. He's going to get it out you. He's going to get it out you and. You know, a lot of people ain't you know mentally ready for that thing, yeah. type of stuff like that. Because yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely it's definitely a mental thing. But he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to kill you. He's just trying mm-hmm. to get the best. You just got to exactly. be ready for it. And yeah, and and I I, I enjoyed it. Like I, I loved it. And I, but I can see in some certain players, certain players' face that it was getting to him. But you know, that's that's when uh the whole team had to come as a collective and you know just build together and say yo. He's doing this for a reason, so let's just go ahead and get this over with and get this started and try to make something new. Try to make it make 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 a story for us, like because you know 
Kobe. Kobe was at the end of his uh, career. Uh, you know, just a whole bunch of young guys, and you know, we were doing as well as like we wanted to, like we should have, but we still mm-hmm. try to band together and try to show, like, yo, even though we're not doing as good like we want to, man, this show that we want to be here and we want to get better. So it was good as a team to, you know, to stay together. So we, we tried our best, man. Yeah, and, and speaking of Kobe Bryant, I mean, tell me, what was it like when we hear about these stories as fans about the <laughs> greatness that Kobe demanded from his teammates? Now, was that intimidating or did it almost force you to take your game to the next <laughs> level to avoid his possible wrath? I mean, you don't want to be on Kobe's bad side. Oh, hell no. Hell no. no. He, 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 he had, had a few players on his bad side, but I ain't going to say no names. We just going to, we going to do that. But Kobe, man, I mean, what can you say? I mean, the man wins five rings. He, he mm-hmm. like, he's the MVP. He's like one of the, if not the best player to ever put on a pair of shoes next to Jordan. Like, mm-hmm. it's like when, when the guy like that, like wants the best out of you or want like you I think you need to get it, especially in LA. Like he he runs that city, he runs that town, oh, he yeah. runs everything. So it's like, man, like you wanna stay on the good side of Kobe. Kobe just no, he like you said, he's just an animal. He just yep. he just works hard. He just plays hard. He just wants to win. He wants to continue to win and he wants the best out of his teammate. And if he don't see it, he's gonna get in your ass. I mean that's that's just straight bottom line, bottom line. So I <laughs> So me personally, I just try to you know try to rebound every damn ball I can get it, <laughs> and just try to stay and just just go out there and work hard, man. That's all he wants, man. If you if you're not working, if you're working hard, win or lose, man, he's gonna be on your side. If you if, if he sees you're not working hard, man, he's gonna he's gonna say he's gonna think you're heartless, man. He, he's oh. gonna, it, it does it it does something to him that shows that he has people on his team that doesn't have the same heart and passion toward this game as he does and he's and he want to win and he knows he's not going to win if he doesn't have that so it, 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 it was just tough man you just got to be you just got to like i said you got to be a myth you got to definitely you definitely got to have a mentally a strong mental mind when it comes with dealing with kobe and i mean i love it so it, i had no i had no problem with it and and it was, it was great man i had a i, I enjoyed being around him and he's definitely a great guy Hey, I remember him giving you uh, giving you some praise in the media a couple times. So I'd like to think that you were on Kobe's good side, working hard. So that's uh, <laughs> you, you did the right thing. <laughs> you got uh, yeah, you got yeah, any yeah. like? Is there like one Kobe story you could share with us in, in regards to like his crazy work ethic or just something where you were like, man, this guy doesn't even sleep. Like he's just eat, breathing, and sleeping what? basketball. Well, when he tore his Achilles, and he was. I know when he tore his Achilles and he was started slowly coming back to a return, he stayed. I never seen nobody stay in the gym as much as him try to, to recover, to get back on the court. Like, I mean, he's a type that would come all the way from an hour away from his house at four in the morning, oh get there God. at five 30 workout. That's how far he is. How far he lives, get there, work out. <laughs> leave, come back at 12, work out again, leave, come back at four. He, he just had a, he, he has a schedule. It, it's definitely a, I, I definitely think he has a schedule somewhere in his phone, his pocket, a notepad or something that just tell him, yo, you need to get up and get in that gym now. <laughs> and and he, he just always been that guy, man. He, he always, he comes in early, leaves late. 
Um, man, he 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 also he'll get guys. He'll go get guys. Like yo, put your shoes on. Let's go. We are working out. And what you gonna say? You gonna say no? Not today. I got to do something. You can't so, say you no. Go get your shoes. <laughs> you got to get your shoes and get in that damn car and go work out. And he just man, it's like he's on call. Like when it's basically like whenever he's ready to work, like he's ready to work and you better be work too. He just, he stays in the gym early, leave late all day long. And it's, it's crazy. Like I love basketball, but I don't think I have to love for it like that. <laughs> not, very few not, do. Not like the thing. Yeah, very few like do. Yeah. Yeah. Very few. And that is, that he, is like exactly said, why he's one of the goats, you know, for, for exactly, sure. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, man. You got to praise him. You got to give it to him, man. He, he's done a lot, man. He's done a lot. And following your time in L.A., you know, it, it, you had the privilege or we had the privilege of having you come to the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, <laughs> you helped the Pacers get back into the playoffs because we were coming off of, you know, one-year playoff drought when Paul George had the broken leg, and you were part mm-hmm. of the the three-headed hill monster, as as Pacers <laughs> fans remember. George Hill, Solomon yeah. Hill, and Jordan Hill, of course. Yeah. Can you mm-hmm. tell us what it's like going from a large market like the Lakers to a small market team like Indiana and any of the challenges that comes with it? To me, I'm, to me, I, I treat it the same, man. Like you said, like, in a big – once I step on the floor, man, it's like – uh, every all bets are off. It's like it's work time. It, uh, it doesn't matter if I'm in LA or you know uh, Miami or Toronto. It doesn't matter where you at. It's for me. I step on the court and it's time to ball. And every time I step on the court, I get this adrenaline rush goes through my body, and it's like I don't feel no pain. I don't feel anything. It's just like man, I, it's it's work time, and I know that I got millions of people watching me on this floor. I'm not about to embarrass myself or my teammates. So it's kind of like, man, it's being in Indiana, it, it was the same way it been in L.A. I mean, I had a Paul George, George Hill, all these guys, C.J. Miles. These are great guys that I dealt with, and they made me feel like a brother too. And if I love a city or a team, like, like it, it does something to me. And it makes me feel like I call somebody a home, or a brother, or my family, and I know they got my back. And being in Indiana, man, I I got all that. I got all that. I still talk to the guys to this day, and we enjoyed our time together. I enjoyed my time in Indiana. I had a blast, and I felt I did pretty good there too. I still I I, I took my hat off hat off myself there, but I don't have no nothing bad to say about the Indiana Pacers. Love it, love it, and and we enjoy your time there also. But I want to I want to focus real quick on that Pacers team took Toronto to Game Seven as a seventh seed in the first round, and I felt that you guys deserved to beat the Raptors. Now, be honest with me, Jordan. The referees admitted to a few blown calls towards the end of that Game Seven. What was that <laughs> locker room? They did. It, it it still hurts. It it was rough. <laughs> What was the room like following that loss and some of those calls that should have gone the other way? Um, man, you know, it was it was down, man. It was it was down. It was it was kind of like nobody never never want nobody really wanted to talk. It was like, man, let's just get the hell out of here. Let's just go. Let's just get out of here. And man, it was. It, we always felt that it was it was definitely a thing, but we, we can't. What can we do about it? Like 
so we all we do is just uh, tip our hat off at the team and, and just go go forth on whatever it is what, what we have to do, man. It, it, things like that gonna happen in games. We never get the calls we want. We never get the calls we need, man. It, we're not the only one to get bad calls. The ref can't, you know, the refs can't make the best calls, you know, all the time. You know, they're gonna have mistakes, but man, it, it, I still my, the team fought. The team mm-hmm. definitely fought, man, and they fought great. And we almost had it. It was close, and man, what can we do now? Is man, like, just try you. What can you do is just try to get better for the next year. And we, we tried, he tried, but you know, man, things happen. But man, Toronto was they was they were stacked this year. They was definitely they was good that year too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we was good, but Toronto was definitely good too, and they had some of the best scorers on the team. So it was definitely going to be a battle. That, that was, was a tough series. Man. I remember Solomon yeah. Hill's three-pointer was just just yeah. half, uh, maybe point one of a second too late in one of those games. Yeah. But one of the players well, that... Well, Coach didn't put me in. I, I didn't... Frank didn't put me in that, <laughs> that series. So, I mean, I mean, I felt the team played... The team definitely could have played better. I mean, it, it definitely could have played better. But yes. But you we know, made it to se- yeah, you gave yeah, Toronto all they could handle, for sure. Exactly, exactly. And we was well, we was the seventh, eighth, seventh seed. Seventh seed would have been an upset over seventh the two seed. seed. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it was it was as close mm-hmm. as it could possibly be. Exactly, take them to game seven. And yeah, that was that was definitely a battle, man. I, like I said, our team, the team played great, man. It could have been better, but hey. We were the seventeen, almost upset at seventeen. I mean, sh- what, what more can you ask for, man? Exactly. And one of those players that you played with who was just a rookie at that time was Miles Turner. Now, what was rookie Miles like, and how have you seen his game grow as he's on pace to become the first player in NBA history to average over two blocks and shoot over 40% from three? What was he like? Man, I've seen it every day. I mean, like he's a young, talented kid that's getting better every day. Um, man, he he had a little issue with his, uh, his back, but they – they got that situated. They got that straightened out, and man, I, I, he's been he's been showcasing. He's been doing what he what he does, and that's balling. And I enjoy playing with Miles. Man, he's running the floor pretty good, shooting the heck out of that ball, block and the shots, uh, rebound. Like, what, what more can you ask for a big that can does typically do anything if he just go out there and ball? And Miles is. Like you said, a young kid just getting better and better, and I, I definitely see, I definitely see some some stars around his uh, name sooner or later, man. I, I definitely, I, I wish him the best, man. I really do. Hope so, hope so. Yeah, we're rooting him yeah. on, and we're, we're loving what we're seeing. Um, now, yeah. real quick, is there any any kind of interaction or what it's like to to be around Larry Bird from your time in that season? Was there any cool <laughs> Larry Bird moments? <laughs> no, he was. He had, he had a little high humor, but he was more 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 like business. He, he was more business. But yeah, we did, we did talk. We did talk and communicate. He was just it was just more business. Let's get here. Let's just get this done, and we'll play later. You know, work hard. You no know, work now. Play later. Type. So it was definitely. I mean, it was it was definitely fun being around a, a, a Hall of Fame player like Larry Bird. Man, he's definitely a great guy, man, and I definitely enjoyed his presence. I definitely did. Yeah, and then right after the Pacers season, you know, you went over to the Timberwolves, and you know that team was stacked with young talent. Honestly, between Cat, 
Wiggins, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, uh, Ricky Rubio. You know, you were kind of playing some of like a veteran role on that team. How does your mentality change being a veteran with a team that's so young, knowing that, hey, it might not be this year, but these guys got to develop? What's that like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, they're a young team. They're a very talented team. When I was there, you know, I, you know, you got your guys that, you know, you got the veterans that don't play, but think they supposed to play or mm-hmm. know that he can do more for the team if he played. I was into that. I was into that role. I, I feel I feel like if I was playing more, I felt like I could have did, you know, did a little damage, could have did some, you know, did some uh, work to help this team progress. But me, it's like, man, it's like I said, I, I, I it's a business. I know things like that happen. It happened before. So I just try to just try to keep my mind straight and keep my mind focused on the team and don't worry about myself. Just worry about letting this, letting this team win, letting this team win. And being with them guys, uh, Cat, Wiggins, uh, Zach Levine, man, they're, they're, they're definitely, definitely great players, talented players, just young players. But they, I see some definitely a bright future for them. Um, I've been looking at the game this year. They, they, they could be better, but you know, mm-hmm. things, the things happen. But they, I just hope they, you know, get everything, get on the right foot, and go out there and just ball like they know they can. And like I said, man, they can make some noise if they go out there and just play as a team, play together, and um, you know, just go out there and have fun, man. That's all it is, man. Just go out there and have fun, play the play the sport that you love to play and that you're here to play for. And mm-hmm. that's all I can say for them, man. But they, they definitely was. A, it was definitely a great team. They're definitely a great, great team. Definitely was. Yeah, and following you, you know, your time with the Timberwolves, I, I read that you joined the North American Premier Basketball League, uh, playing with the Nevada <laughs> Desert Dogs, Vancouver Knights. Has there ever been any consideration playing overseas, or just kind of family life kind of rule that out? Well, I mean, I, I really thought I, I'm. I really well my my brother my brother got killed couple like a year and a half ago. I'm and so sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, things happen. I know. Um, man, and the family really wanted to stay together. Like mm-hmm. my grandmother, she's getting up in age. I lost my mom at the age of three. So my mother's mother, my my dad's mother, uh, she was she took on that role as I was three and took on that role as a mother. Wow. And. Yeah, that's what, I know her as a mother, and she been she's been up in age, and you know her health is, you know, you know getting down, going down. So man, in my mentality now is like just try to be close to the family now. Hundred percent, man. Like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 like I, I love basketball, and I, I still, I still want to be on the court, and I still, you know, still work out. I still, you know, you know, it's still my, you know, still my sport. But now it's like. Is life now? It's like I'm, I'm I'm thinking about life and my future, and thinking about my my family, and I just want mm-hmm. to be close to. I'm just trying to be close to. I never know what's going to happen, especially after the death of uh, you know my brother, and because it was unexpected. So oh, it, it, yeah. it took a damper. Yeah, it took a damper on the family. So I just just wanted to stay close to the to the family and just stay you know stay together. That's that's all it was. Yeah. Hey, it, I it was, I very much respect that, Jordan. And my, my condolences to, to your family. I saw that you had an awesome picture of you and your grandmother that you posted a while back <laughs> on Instagram. You know, that's the real MVP right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I was sitting on her lap. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, that was kind of like, that's my first picture I ever took, like, my grandma playing around with my grandma. So 
She let me. I'm surprised you let me do it, but I'm a baby, but she let me do anything now. So we good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was awesome. Mm. Hey, Jordan, it has been an awesome time having you on the show. I, I appreciate oh, it so yeah. much. And uh, tell oh, us, man, fans, where, where we could find you and keep up uh, on a daily basis of uh, what's going on in life in Jordan Hill. Uh, I mean, I'm on Instagram, um, Dreadhead Jizzle. Um, I, I, I don't post as much as I, uh, I post, but if you, if any, if any of the fans want to send a shout out to me or send a, uh, you know, just want to chat, I, I, I'm, I'm very open to chat awesome. with fans. I, I, I try to get that into my, uh, in my, in my schedule every time I get on, on, the, um, on Instagram, but that's all I have right now. I have, I, I, be, I got Facebook. Uh, Jordan Craig Hill that's my Facebook uh, name you can look it up I'll be on that sometimes but mostly Instagram so if you want to chat it up and want to know what's going on man feel free to hit me on Instagram Dreadhead just awesome hey Jordan thanks a lot and uh, once again hey best of luck man thanks for the memories oh yeah sounds good thank you thank you for having me The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.